Hi, everybody. We're here with Lee Harris today. I think almost every one of you probably knows Lee by now. And we're going to do things a little differently. Rather than having him channel directly for this show, he's always in contact with his guide. So as I'm asking him questions, they're talking to him. So we're going to go into a fairly deep subject here today. And Lee is going to be listening and intuitively giving answers and also sharing information he may have gathered on these subjects from past channelings. And it has to do with the nature of humanity. So many people say, say, I can't believe how brutal life is getting out there. Other people say, uh, no, it's kinder than it's ever been. And the truth is somewhere all over the place. It's somewhere in between and beyond. And so I'm posing the question today, is humanity intrinsically brutal or is this an infection in the program in some way? So without further ado, let's go to Lee in Malibu. You are in Malibu, aren't you, Lee? I'm in Malibu, yes. <laughs> Welcome. It's good to have you on my network this time. We've been together on Gaia, what, probably three, four or five times. Yes. Five times, I think. So it's lovely to be here on your network. And I'm loving your network, by the way. I'm loving seeing you doing it. And just, yeah, it's fantastic. It's so casual. It's so much more, it, it just feels more um, connected, so to speak, because we don't yeah. have... We don't have a big crew around. We don't have a big studio. It's just you and me in the audience, and I absolutely love it. So, And we can talk about whatever we want. And this, I know this seems a little bit uh, kind of a harsh topic, but people are seeing kind of insensitivity, unkindness, and cruelty playing out all around them. And so I'm going to toss the big question out that I already posed, which is, from everything you've heard in your channelings, is humanity intrinsically brutal, unkind by nature, or is this an infection in the program somehow? It's a really interesting question, especially right now. Um, the thing that I have always learned and been told about who we are as humans is we are a composite. So we are a composite of the light that we can hold as a soul, the density that humanity is holding at that point in time, and the history that you tap into when you incarnate. And, and so from my perspective, the infection word feels true because that infection is here. So the problem is we have to live with the infection, be in the infection, notice the infection in ourselves, notice the infection in others. And for many uh, light-minded people who would call themselves light workers, sensitive, soul-based, consciousness seekers, it's the most edgy part of being human because it's the most undesired and the most corrosive. And so it can, it can literally be very, very debilitating. So often we think of the dark night of the soul. And of course, those are often our biggest growth journeys. But for people who really stand for the soul and the light and want to see a more evolved humanity, when you go through a serious dark night of the soul, or if you're going through a few months where there are lots of tests, to me, that's kind of like the, 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 the mild dark night of the soul. And I think a lot of light workers have been going through that in the last three, four years. That's something that the channels have said a lot of the time. They've said to go to your next level, many of you are going to descend now, and you're going to get a bit more in the trenches with nitty gritty human stuff that perhaps not that, not that you've been avoiding, but that for a period of years, it was important to cultivate a higher frequency. 
And now to stabilize that higher frequency, you're going to have to get up close and personal. And I mean, we only have to look at what's going on in, in the global focus to recognize, well, okay, if all of this stuff is, is getting a permission slip globally, culturally, in a way that it never has before, how, how can it not knock into the shadow parts of us and make us look at stuff that we're uncomfortable about in our reactions or our, our lives? It's intense. It's very intense. And I'll tell you, one of the things that um, made me think about this, and this is just a small reflection of it, because it's a, it's a question I pondered for many, many years. And one of them was, um, Zeus and I went to see a movie recently called Eighth Graders, which is just a beautiful kind of painful look at what it's like to be an adolescent again, uh, with starring a young girl named Elsie Fisher. Very, very well done, but a little challenging for some women and girls to watch, right? But one of the things that came up in that film, as well as quite a few other films about adolescence all the way up to college years, is the notion, for example, of mean girls. And so, after the film was over, I called my sister and we started talking about being 13, 14 years old and our remembrances of it. And we both said the same thing. We didn't recall. There, there were clicks, but we didn't recall mean girls, this kind of meanness that's portrayed among people in the media today. And so you have to look at, is that an extension of what we've become? Is this some kind of agenda within the media. Let's talk about why we're being reflected out as so mean to each other in the media. It's interesting you say that. I, I think because for me, I learned at a young age, I, I studied and worked in theater from a young age. And, and we were always taught that for drama, you need conflict. And that was, that was fed to us over and over again as we were writing plays, creating pieces. It was like, what's the conflict? You know, where's the edge? Where's, basically, they didn't put it this way, but for me, it's where is the adrenaline in this? Is the adrenaline, <gasps> will they get the girl? Is the adrenaline, <gasps> will they be saved? Is the, and, and for me, that's often what we've been accustomed to in entertainment, this adrenaline surge, this fight or flight response that we have because it triggers our fear. So on the one hand, I think we've all grown up with that, that we want to feel something intensely when we watch these things. And yet the sadness is, of course, there are so many other ways that we can feel those feelings, but we, we tend to be repetitively fed this agenda of violence, hero, darkness, light. It's, it's, for me, it's very base. And so it just keeps us stuck in that kind of base cycle if we don't really investigate it. Uh, I, I know you've spoken to many people over the years about the agendas that are, that are going on and that, that are happening around all of this stuff. For me, what I notice is that I do remember certain things when I was a kid that were very edgy in the playground but we tend to be sold. It's the same as the news media, right? Uh, the news media will tell us all the awful things that are happening, again, designed to make us scared of the world. And it's the same in the entertainment field. Very little in the entertainment field is really expansive or consciousness bringing or wanting people to transcend the current program because, of course, then how are you going to market the current program and keep it going? The whole thing's going to fall down. 
So um, it's partly why I love what you're doing. You're, as an independent, you are managing to create the programming that you would like to, to create. And I do see the world going a bit more that way. I know many people talk about um, people living in echo chambers with the algorithms that they're choosing. I only ever hear that spoken about in a negative way. I never hear that spoken about in a positive way. And I do, there's a great positivity to clusters of people being able to harness and focus on what they would like to harness. And it's no different in the playground. There were cliques in the playground. It wasn't that every kid in the playground was connecting with everybody else. They found the groups where they felt safe, where they wanted to learn, where they felt resonant. And I think the internet has just opened up that same that same thing. So in a way, the internet is a bit like the playground, isn't it? And that's where we're all a bit shocked by the the bullying and the um, the the. You mentioned earlier the word anonymity when you and I first said hi before we got going. The anonymity of of this meanness and this bullying. So my sense of it is, it just keeps us in this base cycle. And the way for us to shift through it is to create other and it's a kind of tireless fight, if you like, for the people who feel like they're fighting for consciousness and light. I had this just two days ago. There was a part of me that reminded myself that we're doing what we can and what we believe in and what we want to create on the planet, but we can't get too attached to an end result because then your heart breaks. And there's a very famous quote, which is the world will break your heart over and over and over again. And you have to keep creating. Uh, and I, and I, I remind myself to live by that if my own heart gets broken too much or if I'm, you know, oh, this is just awful. I can't believe this is happening. It's a reminder to me that it's a very big place that our focus tends to be not only put on the things that are the most adrenalized, but we have a natural, because we've been trained that way with media, we all have a natural response to do that. We probably don't look at any family on the beach that are just kind of peaceful, unless you're tracking for the peace, um, which most people aren't. But if there's a family having an argument, something in our own nervous system will kick in and we'll all see it. It's the fight or flight response. So I think that's why it's so important for us to have other examples and energies out there for people to see, and then they can make their own decision. And we're all retraining ourselves as we go, right? Yeah. And I mean, there is an addictive component to this in terms of just the way the brain functions itself, brain chemical function. And that is, there is a kind of addictive quality to fear and being startled and so forth. And granted, every media outlet is simply trying to stay alive. They're trying to bump up their own numbers so that they can continue to have the support they need by way of advertisers and so forth. But this is creating a general sense of what life is about that is inaccurate. And I want to take this all the way back. And this isn't just about the media. It's about our willingness to buy into these kinds of feelings and being frightened and loving gossip and so forth. I mean, although there are studies about gossip, I'll go into in a bit, but um, even, even nature shows, for example, um, probably mostly nature. Show, I can't watch nature shows. Hmm. Um, these beautiful BBC programs, PBS and so forth. They do the same thing in every one of them. When it comes time for an animal to become prey to another animal, it's slowed down in such slow frames 
that your adrenaline just starts pumping watching an animal kill another animal. These shows are made available to children. These are family shows. And I have always had such a strong objection to watching that kind of kind of a brutal a brutal a brutal way of survival as just natural to earth life i don't see i can't see the point in this in continuing to reinforce this well and you know because of your media background that you know the, the trick that they play on us with uh, movies or tv shows is before somebody dies in a scene and you you know if you know this principle you can kind of see it coming we get a little bit connected to them. Suddenly there's a very emotional scene where they share with their dad about something emotional and you, you're, you go, oh, and your heart opens and then bam. And the idea is so that our heart then has that jolt and that response. And I notice in nature programs, they do the same thing. We don't get shown the slowed down prey unless we've just spent some time with her and her kittens or, you know, um, so it, it's very, it, it's the same principle of in a way jarring the heart but what I what I do feel, and I see this, I see this not only in friends of mine who are you know consciousness focused. I see it in people who may not ever talk about consciousness. People do tend to not choose the things that aren't resonating with them, and I I, I really believe in that. Um, I really believe in the individual's ability to choose. Um, but it's interesting that you bring up kids because I was thinking to myself when you mentioned you and your sister talking about the mean girls in the playground, what I realized is a truth that I see a lot with the people I work with is that often the late teens and early twenties are spent, um, rehabbing themselves from the difficulties of being a powerless individual in a planet that they're in shock in. So mm -hmm. if you had good parents, you know, even if your parents and you had a good bond, just dealing with childhood and the playground and, you know, um, forced socialization and not having a certain level of adult power or freedom to navigate that um, is often something that, you know, a lot of light worker healer types have to then recover from and get to a new place with. So um, it is interesting that that's forced upon all of us. And I'm very interested by a lot of the homeschooling programs and the smaller schooling programs that I see out there that are shielding kids from that. And then, of course, you think, okay, well, how are they going to adjust? Because when they, you know, the, is the world going to seem super harsh when they, you know, kind of interact mm -hmm. with it more at 18, 19? But, but I, I, I think that's our only solution. And again, I'll go back to you doing what you do. It's like the people who find what you're doing are are infusing themselves with an energy that they need to infuse, whether it's understanding the truth about some of this uncomfortable stuff or whether it's being given examples of, of energy that they want to resonate with. And it's like anything. If we, if we eat really good food, our skin's going to look really healthy. If we eat really bad food, give it a week, and we're not going to look so healthy, we're not going to function so well. So um, I like what you said about a the adrenaline piece, because I think that is a personal responsibility for all, all of us with the wave of the internet and statistics showing that most people don't watch a video for more than a minute or two. That is true. And the, in a more subtle, in a more subtle way, this is still, um, 
experienced just through gossip. For example, there's been a lot of gossip recently. I've been the target of gossip. Guy's been the target of gossip. Uh, a lot of people, right, uh, in my sphere. And that just has to do with the kind of the salacious, salacious nature of people putting something out there to attract attention. And the thing is, we do give it attention. You, If you put something out that has anything to do with gossip, for example, that post will get more attention than most posts that have to do with maybe even substantial content. There's something in us that wants to identify with something, whether it's being borne out as truthful or not. And this is the part of, we, we talked about off camera, this anonymity really allows for a flourishing of this kind of salacious, gossipy behavior. And one of the things, uh, I interviewed Mitch Horowitz recently, and one of the things he learned along the way through all of the different traditions he's followed throughout his lifetime was if there's one thing that really damages us psychically, it's our attachment to gossip mm -hmm. and our need to gossip. And what that does to us on a, on a personal, mental, emotional, and even soul level. Talk about that for just a sec. Well, it's conflict. You know, gossip is conflict. And, and for me, why I think, or, or what I think would be the solution to gossip is if we lived in a very open, honest society where people were transparently sharing things with each other. I think it's a genuine desire to connect with the inner lives of others that has been edited out of society. And so gossip becomes the solution because I also think there is a kind of sexual energy to gossip. It doesn't mean that people experience it as sexually arousing, but there is a, there's a base chakra that can kind of happen when gossip is happening. It can excite people and arouse people in a way. And for me, the thing that I see time and time again is how when we are given a framework where we see each other, hear each other, and understand each other, so much of that adrenaline and conflict energy goes away. I see this when I attend or run retreats where that space is held for five days or a week. Um, I see this in smaller groups of friends that I have. There's kind of a calmness. Gossip actually isn't interesting. So to me, gossip comes from hunger. It comes from a hunger to connect with something, whether it's a, that thrill in yourself because you feel like you're involved in something that's a little bit secretive and a little bit of a sugar dose that's going to taste great in the moment, but it's going to give you a stomachache and a headache very quickly afterwards. Um, and again, it's, it's partly how we were trained. But for me, what's underneath the gossip is engaging in conflict energy, desiring to connect, taboo energies that can be a bit exciting, and all of that would go away if we were allowed and encouraged to be super transparent with each other about everything. Because there are so many things that are off topic that we're not supposed to talk about to each other or that society says we're not. And, and actually, when you put people in a situation with a facility that they can do that. And it might take a while, you know, it might, there might be some conflict at the beginning, but if they get to a place where they're like, okay, I can be seen and heard and I'm not going to be attacked. I'm not going to be judged. I can put my truth into the room and I can hear their truth. All of that energy starts to calm down. And you see this when you, when you see this in action in groups. 
I think you're right on that because truly there's probably nothing edgier and scarier than to have to really reveal the most intimate aspects of yourself in a situation that has conflict truthfully. That if you're looking for something to take you to new heights, gossip is really like the low-hanging fruit of all fruit compared to actually showing up and putting yourself on the line. And, and along, it's interesting, along that line of what you're talking about, it just substituting for actual nutrition, spiritual nutrition, so to speak. Um, of all the gossip that's been flying around recently, for example, I just reached out to one of the people that's been perpetuating the gossip and said, hey, uh, why don't we just meet up so I can find out where these stories came from? And my feeling is, genuinely, if we can sit face to face, something else happens entirely. A, there's no anonymity. And B, you can, you can actually begin feeling the intention of the other person and everything starts quieting and you see how these really corrupted dynamics started coming into play to begin with. Ideally, that's, that's a revelation that could come of it if instead of just lashing back at people, we start engaging when someone, when we hear something, let's just address it. Why can't we address it with people when we hear that there's been some kind of, you know, innuendo and whatnot? Yeah, I love that. And I think we have to, I think if we all took personal responsibility for how we're hearing things, then it would be completely different because there is this tendency with unconscious gossip that you get involved in unconsciously to go, oh my God, did you hear that blah, blah said that? And then you tell somebody that as if it's truth. Um, I don't know about you, but many times I have, I have heard someone say, oh, I worked with Pete and he's a really grumpy person. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I worked with Pete and he was just lovely. And, and I'm like, wow, did we, did we have a vibe that they didn't? Is it all perspective-based? Because it is all perspective-based. So I think it's the same with gossip. If when we hear gossip, you go, is it true? Uh, would I have reported the story the same way if I was there? Or is this a fabrication? And, and usually, you know, you can see when, when you, can, you can feel the edges um, I've in my in my in my life I've received some emails from people and I've sent some emails for people when we're in the middle of trying to like have conflict resolution and it's always what I've done when I'm in that moment is if I'm about to reply I just reread my email and I'm like oh there's a bit of an edge in that line right oh, there's the part of me that's a bit hurt okay I'm gonna take that out because that's that's me that's my trigger and, and I'll just get back to the pure, what do we need to do to interface this situation if I remove me over-personalizing this situation? And I think there is something to that when we encounter this gossip or we hear that, you know, somebody isn't a very nice person. Well, said who? And how, how were they to that person? Because I've seen aggressive people go after other people and then report to others gleefully that they're not very nice. And I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't have been very open to you based on what you were doing. You were, you were behaving in a certain way to try and draw me in a conflict way. So I, yeah, I would have closed down to some degree if I didn't feel that your energetic intentions mm -hmm. were completely pure. So I see that a lot too. Um, so there is something about remembering that everything is perspective based and how mm -hmm. Regina hears something and how Lee hears something and how, anybody who's watching hears something, we're all hearing something slightly different. 
and we're all feeling something slightly different based on our own filters, which is where gossip as truth is kind of a joke because there is no one truth. There are many, many different ways of, of feeling that you have the truth about something depending on the person and the day. Yes, and I think that just understanding your own intention and motivation, feeling, are those chemicals rising when I'm speaking about this or when I'm interfacing with this particular email strand or whatnot, you know, a timeline or anything, um, and starting to, to really take stock and then look at how we can more authentically engage in that kind of conflict in our own lives because it's not as though each one of us doesn't have something that we need to work on with another person or even internally and it really is more it's more exciting it's more of a way forward in our lives it doesn't leave a person with like you say a cheap candy bar kind of thrill it actually comes through to a higher point of understanding and healing if we can engage those what we call gossipy parts of our own character even um, and reveal them into something more authentic in ourselves or with others. And maybe that starts taking care of that need for the salaciousness of gossip, you know, you know, be it, be it anonymous or not, right? Definitely. It, That's a, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say something that just comes to me as I'm listening to you say that is that the, the Zs have a really, the Zs are the guides that I channel. And they have a brilliant perspective on this, which is way better than my own. And, and I always try and remember that whenever I'm caught in the grip of one of those moments that you're talking about. They're really, um, they're really open to however long it takes us to learn a lesson is okay. And we can choose to do whatever we want in a way that I think sometimes some of the spiritual teachings that I interpreted in a very heavy you must clear this, you must be, you know, uh, ways that I tried on for, for a period, I sometimes have to go against that um, part. And we're all different. Some people might need to go very seriously into the responsibility of only ever being peace in the world. And that is their personal heart. So they're going to take it very seriously. Um, one of my things was taking too much emotional responsibility for fluctuations that were happening between me and another person. And of course, as someone who moves energy with people and, um, you know, got into that habit very early and now uses that in, in my work, I also have to know when it's okay that there's dissonance or when it's okay for me to, to kind of go, you know what, we're just going to part the ways and I'm going to do it lovingly, but this isn't going to resolve. And, and that took me a long time to learn because something in my head was going, you have to you have to get this right or make it work and then the Z's would always be like no it's okay if, if, yeah. if there's a lesson for you to learn it will come around again that's what you're here for you're here to bring what you can in terms of light and consciousness but also as a human being you're having your own evolutionary experience within this evolutionary time that is personal. So for me, I always try and remember the balance of the two because for a long time it was off for me. Um, what am I giving out and what am I contributing to consciousness? Um, what am I learning every single day, every single moment that I'm maybe not paying attention to, but I try and pay attention to more, more as, as I get older and, and a bit more embedded in this way of life. I think that oftentimes people people who are watching um, this right now um, and, and, and all of us 
have the impression that there are those who are just so much further along. They kind of have this nailed. That's not true. We're all humans. We're all living in the same soup in this planet. We're living in the same frequencies with the same challenges. And everybody is, you know, attempting to move through this as gracefully as they can. And it takes time. And I think you're right. You have to cut yourself some slack. There are some days you may just feel like, I don't care. I just don't like what that person said or did. I don't even care if it's true this moment. I'm just pissed off and whatnot. And because you're just grumpy and you don't want to even tackle it, you've had enough. Those moments happen for everybody. And you're right. I think cutting yourself some slack and understanding these ultimate lessons are something we move through on a regular basis, on a daily basis, just attempt to see something a little more clearly each day. And you've done a really good job in life. I mean, that's huge. It's really only about progress at whatever pace you choose to take it on. And so, yeah. yeah. And, And I wanted to bring one more thing up about the subject of gossip that's interesting. This is now counter to what I just said. Um, my sister was telling me, because we have a, um, a stepmom who is suffering from dementia, mm-hmm. uh, severe dementia now, and we were talking about before that stage comes along, um, she had read a, a study on the value of gossip for those who are in their geriatric phases of life. It's something that somehow, like you say, it's energy, it's root chakra stuff that can really anchor people in in the nursing home, you know, or in the long care, uh, long-term care facility, gossip seems to be, to bring some kind of anchoring and energy back into their lives. A- any quick comment on that? Well, I just, what comes <laughs> to me, I love it, first of all, and, and you know, whatever works, for people, but it's, it's connection. So it's like, especially with dementia, when, when people, or Alzheimer's, when people are going in and out of the realms, um, you know they're they're here and then they're somewhere they're they're somewhere in the eth- the etheric plane. Um, if it can connect them, great. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it doesn't really matter because also what I suspect in that case is it's something that connects them, but it's not necessarily something that they are pulsing out in quite the same way as someone with a negative agenda right. who is suffering from dementia so right you know, for example we we don't need to name a certain person in this country right now who has far too much license to broadcast um negativity and hate and division yeah. um and and that is that is perpetrating a, a wave of energy and catching people but what, what you're describing sounds like a localized moment of connection so yeah. there's nothing wrong with that well, you can almost see it with some fondness and some kindness and even humor, um, if that's what's going to make the ladies kind of get up in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just had to add that one little caveat. <laughs> <laughs> but, but why I love that you added it is it reminds me that, you know, I think sometimes we're looking for the one truth. And the one thing, or I know I grew up kind of reading all these books that a lot of them are driving. And the Zs are like, oh, it's, it's way more complex and kaleidoscopic. And the one truth depends on who you are that day in that moment of your evolution and what you've been exposed to. And that it is a big soup. And, um, and, and I, I guess for me, and this kind of feels like what we're talking about, things like gossip, things like conflict energy, things like being over-adrenalized, um, for me, they cause a tightness 
and, and I feel like a tightness. It's like if I know I've been working for too many hours, I start to notice I've become tight as an energy. And that's not where I want to be. So it's like, oh, okay, now I need to I need to do something else. I need to change my focus. I need to do something that opens me back out into presence. So so for me, really, that that's the test. It's like, is is any of this stuff uh, tightening you or giving you a stomach ache after you've engaged in it? And um, I remember once somebody said something about gossip being false intimacy. It's pretend intimacy for people who are trying to... And, and it's always a good sign. It's a great thing to look out for. You know, if you first meet somebody and, you know, they're, they're engaging and then within the first day or two, they start inviting you into bad stories about other people. Yeah. You're going to be one of those characters at some point. And I always find it interesting when people are unconscious about doing that. You know, I just met someone a few weeks ago, a friend of a friend, who basically in the first hour or two of meeting him put down about five different people. And I was just... I, I wasn't the center of the conversation. I was with someone who he was really looking to me. So I was just listening and sitting at the side. But I was like, wow, you're going to alienate a lot of people very quickly. And, and based on that, that, that meeting, it looked clear that that's what his behavior was doing. But sometimes it's because people don't know how to be truly intimate and truly authentically intimate because that scares all of us because none of us have really been invited into just authentic deep intimacy. So we're all learning that. But I think those who trade in the gossip are going for the cheap thrill, false intimacy in, in place of something that's more long lasting. Absolutely. As you said, there's almost a sexual component. And that's where that intimacy, that false intimacy you're talking about comes in. Mm -hmm. I think those are really beautiful perspectives on the subject of gossip. And I just kind of wanted to go there because of this whole mean girl thing. <laughs> and this mean spiritedness that's happening on the internet and well, at the highest levels of uh, society as well, of course. Well, if you don't mind me asking you, because I, that movie you described, I that came up on my radar. I love movies. I always have. And so I'm always on the lookout for good movies. And recently I saw the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is... Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, just beautiful. Just so, so just transcendent on so many levels. And boy, was he somebody who was having to work for the work for the light over and over and over again. And he, he to me was just such an example of the light workers path. Um, when we're talking um, about Mr. Rogers neighborhood, Fred Rogers of yeah. PBS for all those years. Won't you be my neighbor? Yeah. I agree with you, Lee. Uh, when I left that film, I thought this was an ascended and I don't use that term lightly at all. This is a, almost an angelic presence mm. that came to lift the spirits and give some, some meaning to the lives of not only that some some core identity to the lives of a whole generation of children at a time when the family structure was falling apart yeah. people were being raised more and more in broken homes for example and he was the one consistent thing to say i see you and you're wonderful just the way you are what an angel that was an amazing documentary yeah but the, the reason I, I bring that movie up is this movie you're talking about. It's called Eighth, Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade. Yeah. I, I read about it and I thought, oh, wow, that sounds brilliant. And at the moment, and I don't know if this resonates for you, I'm very selective about what I will watch and when. So, you know, sometimes Stephen, my husband, will say, oh, because do you want to watch something tonight? And I'll say, 
only if it's comedy. It's like yeah, I can only, exactly. t- based on my day, tonight I need to laugh. And so I was, you know, it was so interesting. I read about eighth grade and I was like, oh, I really want to see that, but I have to be in the right mood. I have to have had a very non-eventful, light, frothy day so that that becomes my intensity, you know? <laughs> it, well, it's, it's, it's very interesting because it brings the whole notion, um, the whole reality of social media up and mm-hmm. what it means to be a preteen today where you have these inc- the incredible burden of social media to have to live up to. And this little girl's trying to create her own self-help YouTube channel. She has no confidence in her own life, but she's being proactive. And she started a little YouTube channel. I don't know if it has any views, maybe two or three people might follow it. And the painful way she's trying to talk herself up into life and being accepted through her little videos, and then how it's playing out in real life, but at the obsession with looking to see who's watching, who's liking you, who's thumbs upping you, and so forth. And it just is painful to think of what kids today have to deal with. It's not just on the playground. It's not mean girls on the playground. It's this It's this entire virtual world of being accepted or not accepted mm-hmm. via technology. It's, it's really fascinating and so beautifully done. I could I recommend it hotly uh, for anybody. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds great. And it, it makes me realize that I, you know, I know there's a lot of negative talk about uh, technology, the internet, the influence of it on us, but I'm, I'm much more the middle ground because I also see how it has connected us. And especially as someone who, you know, has, has lived away from England for six years, it's been, it's been a way for me to stay connected with the lives and the photographs and, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, friends and family. But but I think maybe w- what my hope is, is that enough of us have enough of an understanding now of the dangers of the addictive tendencies that those things can bring, that hopefully soon we're in a generation where adults can, can be, you know, a bit more um, passing that on to their kids. I've got lots of friends who are parents now who, who are very limited about what they will let the kids do. But I think it's also a tricky thing when it's not in group consciousness yet. Like just the other night, my heart broke when I saw this family of four sitting in a restaurant and the mother was so engaged with the kids and the dad was on his phone like the whole time. They were out for dinner and you could see occasionally the kids would look to the dad, try and get some attention and And I was like, wow. And the mom was great. She was compensating. But I I felt for that dynamic because I... But the other truth I will say is, I don't know about you, Regina, but for me, when Facebook first came out, um, you know, like everybody, I was probably like, oh, you know. And then, and then I reached the point where I, I realized I, in, in small doses, I can enjoy it, but I have to control my dose. It's like you don't eat marshmallows all day. You know, you might have one or two and go, oh, that's my dose. You know, it's kind of like if you have a fondness, but I use marshmallows consciously because they're sugary. Um, so there's something to that. I, I, do, I do believe that we, if we have a tendency to not self-regulate or to go unconscious, we're going to get lost in those traps anyway. Okay. Whereas I do see a lot of people figuring that out. And sometimes we have to, we have to, burn in it for a while before we go, oh, hang on, this doesn't feel so good. But I, I wonder too about parents now, because we're still all very new to it. All of us as a society are very new to 
what are the highs and lows of this new thing that's connecting us all? And let's learn them so that it becomes part of the collective conversation. I agree with you. And it just brings up one funny little story before I get into another topic um, that you do regularly. And that was um, one time I was in a cafe and I was observed, it was a busy hip little cafe. And as I observed, I was observing this one man sitting kind of up high at this counter and he was on his phone the entire time, back and forth, back and forth. And I thought the man looks like he's all dressed up and ready to meet someone good looking fellow and just a parade of beautiful women walking by that most men would enjoy just looking at for just for the pleasure of, of, of looking at beauty. And he didn't see a single thing. And I just remember laughing at the time thinking, <clears throat> life is passing him by while he's texting with somebody. And it's happening with millions of us every single day now. So I agree with you. A little bit of marshmallow, pop one in your mouth, but you know, then get back to some greens. <laughs> yeah. So Lee, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is you every month you do your energy forecasts and it seems like the energy might be moving in a little more um, uplifted direction right now, according to the Z's. Mm-hmm. So kind of give us an idea of what we can look for in the coming in the coming months, according to your beings, your ch- your channel. Yeah. So um, I just recorded and released the August energy update a few days ago. And one of the things that came through really strongly was where this month, August 2018, we're coming into the beginning of a very new chapter. And it should carry us through to not only the new year, but January, February. So you can look at it as a kind of brand new six months. And the one thing that I'm aware of, and I've seen this with people I've worked with, friends, people I'm hearing from, uh, you know, March, April, May, June, July, that was some seriously intense energy and people people got pummeled, um, you know, and, and I, I say that with some balance because, of course, for everybody, there were great things and highlights, but a lot of people got pummeled and and they either got pummeled because they were just kind of staying home and they lived very much energetically and they were just like, oh, I haven't got any energy or they were being pummeled on the ground, on the streets, in things that were going on. And it's been a real period of challenge. And I do put it down to this energetic arc of world power that has been rearing its head in the last couple of years, this kind of um, threat and um, fear-based propaganda around um, control and uh, basically non-humanity. Um, so that has been showing up on the more microcosmic levels in people's lives as well. And, and how do we deal with it and how do we respond to it? So the good news is, um, while I definitely know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not alone here, I think many of us kind of feel the truth of this, that we're in this very intense period in history and it's not going to stop tomorrow, um, that August, certainly through to November and December, should bring a lot of, shall we say, energetic relief because there's only so long you can take that stuff. You know, it's like what goes up has to come down at some point. And so there's only so long that people can go through those trenches together. And as with anything, you know, with the energy update, I do my best to take the collective pulse. And of course, for any of us, it can look very different to what the mainstream is. But in, in general, Um, what was spoken of was a lot of sensitives, uh, especially those who might see themselves as a bit more shy or a bit more introvert than other sensitives they might see in the world. 
um, are really finding their power and ready to step out into the world with their power. And for some people, this will show up as community things that they want to create, that they have the confidence, the resources, and the connections to do. Perhaps they want to put something online and that's going to be their contribution all the way down to um, just being bold enough to speak your truth, I was going to say, <laughs> in, um, in conversation. And, and a lot of sensitives are now seeing that perhaps some of the language and the understanding that they have had for 20-odd years is beginning to be a bit more normalized in society. And I'll explain that a bit more clearly. Um, emotional conversation is not as scary or as foreign to people as it was 20 years ago. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, everybody that you meet is going to have a highly fluent conversation on many levels about that, how their emotional state. But perhaps where 10 years ago, people were a little nervous if you brought that kind of conversation up. Actually, now the message is people need it. They because do. everybody's going through this intensity together and we tend to band together in a crisis. And certainly energetically, there is a sense of crisis in the air. Um, and of course, practically, we can you know, look, at, look at that kind of uh, how that plays out too. Mm -hmm. But I tend to focus on the energetic more than the um, practical points of things. And so there is a, a release needed. And many sensitives are the emotional or the consciousness leaders in their community. Again, we're all eternal students, so someone else will be the leader to us in any given moment of any given day. But that perhaps one of your roles is to make talking about this stuff okay, because as, as we all know, um, there are some people in the world for whom speaking about how they feel uh, or being able to air out some of their difficulties, they've never done it in their life. They've never been invited to do it. They've never been shown how to do it. They might live in fear of what if I do this? And if you make it safe for them or you make it okay for them to bring that out, you're helping them step into their full power and own all of themselves. So they're connecting to all of themselves and they're no longer looking for these gossip or conflict charges of connection that are you know, short-term fixes for what could otherwise be really living and owning your energy field authentically. I agree. We need a huge uptick in our emotional intelligence as a species. We've been working on the intellect for a couple hundred years. We're making great strides, great discoveries, but we really have not made a lot of inroads until, as you say, very, very recently in um, our emotional intelligence, being able to articulate it, share it, heal it. And that's one of the things my husband, Zeus, uh, teaches a course on emotions and motivation um, at a college in Arizona. And one of the things he's seeing is the incredible, because he's he recreated the course to, to make it hands-on versus academic versus intellectual. And the, the students are really required to dive in all the way and articulate what they're experiencing through these emotional exercises. And it really brings tears to your eyes when you see how many people explain, you know, especially in their final paper, which is, you know, the, the, the pace de resistance of the course of, of a semester, um, how for the first time in their lives, they've actually been able to articulate something. And because they've been able to hear themselves articulate it, they can articulate it to others and they can make changes in their lives. But if we can't even hear 
our own message to ourselves. We can't even message our emotions to ourselves. It's very hard to tackle life's larger issues. It's funny, isn't it? Because I love hearing that and it's the language of the heart. And when we, when we can give language to the heart, we can let the heart be present. And it's, it's funny, it takes me back. I was just remembering this this morning. I'm creating an online course at the moment and this came up for me as a memory while I'm drafting it. I remember going to see a homeopath when I was 24 years old. Someone had recommended a homeopath to me. I'd never been before. And um, it was like a 50-minute session. And I, you know, not knowing what a a homeopathy appointment was going to be, I was like, oh, okay, I'll just, he'll tell me things. And, And he asked me questions about myself for 45 minutes. And, and it was like a therapy session. And I remember I was paying him, paying him like a significant amount of money for me at 24. I'd never, and at the end, I apologized to him for speaking so much even though all I was doing was answering his questions, but I, I felt shame because I wasn't used to airing my inner feelings or I, or I felt like I should feel ashamed that I put that on him. And of course, that's his job. But, and I always remembered that. That's, I was like, wow, that was my programming breaking down for the first time. And so, so I love hearing, hearing what you're saying because it's only if we can, if we can see what's going on inside us as a real thing and then find ways to be with it, express it, deal with it, navigate it. We're going to come from a much more heartfelt place when we deal with others. And as we've seen at the moment, the thing that is most in crisis in terms of the leadership of our world is heart. Heart energy is defunct. And um, some of the authority positions around the world right now are are in, in great need of heart energy. Um, and so therefore, so are we as a society if they are the people who are elected. So um, it's important. I agree with you. And on that note, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk about these these sensitive emotional subjects such as gossip and mean-spiritedness and what they're actually supplying us and what, how we can start tackling that individually to have greater meaning around um, emotions on our own without having to necessarily go there. Um, we're going to be, you and I are going to be doing one of my live events within the next couple of months. We'll announce the date uh, a little bit later. And we're going to be talking about a subject very near and dear to you, which has to do with, and it's a segue from what we just talked about, narcissists and empaths, Mm -hmm. and how this world is working now when you have such incredible extremes bumping up against each other, and how this dynamic has to be looked at and honestly interfaced with. Do empaths keep allowing narcissists to take their energy down, to scramble their sense of self. Um, how, how do we begin breaking the cycle of being fed off of, right? Yeah. Feeding others. So, I mean, it's an incredible topic. It's something you're passionate about. So yeah. I just wanted to, if you have anything to say on that for a moment, um, we're going to pick that up in a month or two. All I will say is that when I created the course, I did it because it was personal to me. And I honestly thought I I didn't really think it through. You know, I just thought, well, I really need to do this. I know there are other things that, you know, my team, some members of my team wanted me to do. And it made sense because there were things that people wanted. But it blew my mind when we released the course. Uh, 900 people have taken it so far. 
Um, and it's a 10 hour video course. It's, you know, it's not like a one hour audio or anything. Um, but what blew my mind was the energy around it. And of course the timing, because I made the course four months before we released it. And lo and behold, in that period of time, nothing's ever a coincidence, is it? We had the rise of the Me Too movement. Um, we had a few other things coming up that were very in people's faces. So what I know about this, having gone through it myself and lived through it myself, is really the subtitle of the course, A Power Dynamic and How to Recover from It, because that's all it is. Uh, if you are involved with a narcissist, you walk yourself into a power dynamic. And usually you do not know what the hell is going on. You do not know how you got there. You do not know why any of the ways that you're trying to get out of it aren't working or are causing you more pain or aggravating the situation. So really the focus of the course is when we understand some of our own behaviors and how we are going to learn to heal them, and also what not to do, even if it's our default action, there are certain people that you either have to walk away from or put really hard lines with, even if your heart's breaking, that that's the case, because empaths tend to idealize, you know, idealization can be one of our gifts and one of our curses. Um, so the interesting thing about meeting a narcissist is it can give you your power in the most incredible way when you have integrated the experience and recovered from it yes but at the time it can feel like hell so yeah i would i'm looking forward to doing the live event with you indeed i can't wait i i, I know that a lot of people are going to benefit from it and again that's uh, that's through the patreon members supporters of the site we'll announce that in the next week or two the date for it and meanwhile i thank you so much for taking the time today oh, to it's always my pleasure to talk to you conversation. Thank you. It was great for me to talk about all this stuff too, because hey, we're, we're all in this together, learning, learning it all at the same time. So thank you. Okay, everybody, again, Lee Harris at leeharrisenergy.com. And Lee has all kinds of courses available, including one we just talked about on empaths and narcissists. And again, we'll be getting together in about a month to two months time on the Regina Live series. So thank you so much for joining us today here on reginameredith.com.